You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, Calvary. If I have never had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Michael, and I serve as one of the pastors on staff. And just as our MCs mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, if, you've, if this is your first time with us, or if you are, as Pastor Sharon mentioned, new-ish to Calvary Church, we just want to say welcome, that we are so excited that, that you have taken the time out of your Sunday morning to worship with us, whether you're here in the house or whether you're watching online, we just want to take a moment and just say thank you so much. And after service, after service if you filled out a, a Connect card, we have a team at our Connection Center. If you exit the sanctuary or exit the balconies, if you head straight out, we have a team out there would love to meet you, would love to put a name to a face, have a conversation with you, hear about your experience at Calvary, how you heard about Calvary. We also have a small gift, just as our way of saying thank you for joining us this morning. And before I jump into to God's word this morning, next Sunday, we are kicking off a brand new series entitled No One Walks Alone. I'm super excited and kind of biased uh, about this message series. One, it, it ties in with life groups here at Calvary Church, but I'm also super excited about this message series because it's something that I feel deeply about, that people in my life know that I'm always in their corner, that they'd never have to walk alone. You know, sometimes that there are people in our church or in our community that are walking through a, a lot of difficulties, and you might find yourself in a moment of isolation, you might find yourself in a moment of loneliness or uncertainty, but at Calvary Church, we want to make this commitment that we are a community that no one walks alone, that as soon as you enter our doors, you enter into a community that you will never walk life alone. Next Sunday, August 20th, we are kicking that series off where Pastor Nick is going to start talking about the foundation of friendship. But this morning, I have the incredible honor and privilege of closing out this series that we've been walking through these last really two weeks. This is the third week entitled Suit Up, where we are walking through the book of uh, Ephesians, more specifically Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, and then continuing to about verse 18. And we are looking at the impact that spiritual forces have on our lives and how the armor of God has equipped us to, to, to prepare ourselves for spiritual warfare. Two weeks ago, Pastor Nick talked about finding your strength out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Last week, Pastor Chris, if you were with us in person, incredible service. Uh, but he talked about knowing our enemy, which is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And again, today I'm talking about taking a stand, which is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. And today's a little bit different approach for me, preparing this message, but also communicating this message with you guys here this morning. We're gonna look at one verse, and it's verse 13, and we're gonna unpack verse 13, almost word for word, what the original language, the original content, and how we can also apply that to our life today. And then we're also gonna walk through the armor of God. There are six pieces in the armor of God. We're gonna walk through them individually individually, and then give about two or three personal applications, how you can apply the armor of God, and then we'll close our service in prayer. But that's my approach today. That's kind of my outline of, of my message. Uh, and again, we'll be in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is found in the New Testament. It is the 10th book in, in the New Testament, and we will be in chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 
13 and read until verse 18. But would, would you stay with me this morning as we open God's word, as we read God's word? I'm gonna read out of the NIV version. So that is the new international version. If you have a physical hardback Bible with you this morning, would you open it to Ephesians chapter six? If you have a smart device or a smartphone, preferably Apple, can I get an amen? You can open the YouVersion Bible app and uh, head to Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 13. And God's word says this, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to, to gather and to worship. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for the opportunity to open your, your word this morning that, that we can look at uh, eternal truth and eternal revelations that your word has. God, I ask as, as I communicate, God, that, that I would not be the, the communicator today. God, that your spirit will communicate through me. God, I ask that I will be less on this platform and that you will be more on this platform. God, that people can see you through me and won't see me. It's not for my namesake. It's not for Calvary Church's namesake. It's not for Pastor Nick's namesake. God, it is for your namesake. God, I thank you for the opportunity. Bless the service, God, be in it. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. I'm not sure if you're like me or not, uh, but I enjoy going back and, and watching great moments in sports. Any, any sports watchers in the house this morning? I love going back and, and watching sports, especially when it comes to the ultimate prize that every team is fighting for. Whether that's the Super Bowl, whether that's the NBA Finals, the World Series, the Stanley Cup, or really any collegiate level as well. Especially when that is a great game and also has a great finish. In those championship moments, there are two teams battling it out to the very end. They have fought all year long. They've fought through a grueling schedule that sometimes isn't in their favor. They fought traveling to stadiums or arenas that were a hostile environment. They fought through injuries or maybe even trade deadline days. They have front offices working around the clock to make sure that their franchise is the best that it can be and win the championship. Side note, the Pittsburgh joke is the Pirates. I don't believe they have that, but they have a coaching staff that are making sure the players are prepared every week by watching film, reviewing their strengths on the field, but also their weaknesses on the field. They have a training staff that is making sure the players are in physical tip-top shape. And if you're injured, that you actually beat the doctor's order and come back quicker. There are so many facets to pursuing the ultimate prize in sports. But at the end of the season, there are two teams, or a better language is there are two sides battling it out for one prize. It was February 2nd, 2009, and it was one of the greatest moments in recent Pittsburgh sports history, Super Bowl 43. 
the Steelers versus the Arizona Cardinals. That year, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were 12 and four going into the playoffs and looking to capture their sixth Super Bowl ring as a franchise setting an NFL record. You know, I remember watching that game, sitting at home, watching that game, all the stupid mistakes that the Steelers make. I think they still make stupid mistakes today, but all the penalties that took place, all the turnovers on downs, all the incorrect throws, or all the bad throws by Big Bend, and even the Cardinals coming back in the fourth quarter made me stressed, it made me anxious, it made me overwhelmed. It had all sorts of those emotions just boil up inside of me. But there are vivid moments that I remember about that game. They are the Steelers being up 10-0 going into the second quarter. I thought the game would be a, a runaway. The Steelers would just cruise to victory for the sixth Super Bowl. I remember the James Harrison 100-yard interception return for a touchdown. I remember the Cardinals making a comeback in the fourth quarter, being up 23-20 with about two or three minutes to go. And I thought the game was lost for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then I remember one of the greatest throws and catches in Super Bowl history. That big man rolled out to his right Saw Santonio Holmes in the back right corner, threw a perfect pass, Antonio Holmes with a perfect catch, touchdown. Steelers up 23-20 with, with just a few seconds on the clock. And the clock hits 0-0-0, and the Pittsburgh Steelers win their sixth Super Bowl title, clinching an NFL franchise record. Now, if I'm able to go back and, and watch that game about 14 years-ish removed from that game, I don't have all those same reactions, I don't have those same emotions when all the penalties, all the mistakes, all the turnovers and downs, even the Cardinals coming back in the fourth quarter with just a couple minutes left. I don't have those emotions or reactions. Why? If I'm 14 years removed and I look back at that game, why don't I have the same emotions or reactions? It's because I now know the outcome of that game. And just like the Steelers and Cardinals battled it out on February 2nd, 2009, in every other championship game, whether it's the NFL or the NBA, before and also after that game, there's also been a battle going on since the beginning of time, and it's the battle of two sides. And this is what we're really gonna kind of unpack today, and it's the side of the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. They're not battling for the Lombardi trophy like in the NFL. They're not battling for some earthly prize such as status or money. They're battling, as a matter of fact, a better phrase than they are battling is they are waging war for the ultimate prize. And again, the ultimate prize isn't something materialistic. The ultimate prize is your soul. The ultimate prize is, is you. When you surrendered your heart to Christ and put your faith and trust in him, your life did not become magically or instantaneously easier. It didn't become all sunshine and everything fell into place for you. In most cases, I would argue, it actually became significantly harder. Again, propose the question, why? That's because one of the sides, the kingdom of darkness, is ruled by the enemy, enemies of our soul, which scripture refers to as Satan or the devil. And scripture speaks of him, just a few examples. First Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I love going to the zoo. As a family, we have a season pass to the zoo. And usually whenever we walk through the zoo, and I, I love getting to the tigers and the lions and, and just big animals, 99.9% of the time, the lions are sleeping. They are usually around lunchtime when we go, but they are sleeping. But there's been one time in my existence of going to the zoo that they were actually up, moving around, and one of the male lions roared. Now, if you know the zoo at, at any capacity, if you follow the, the kind of the beginning by like the rhino, the lion, I believe there's a jaguar right there, and then you continue up, you're gonna kind of meet zebras and, and giraffes and then elephants. 
you could actually hear the lion pass the elephants almost to the food court. Their roar is significant and it's loud. You know, if I was in that cage with that lion or if I was in kind of in that uh, exhibit with that lion, uh, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'm not a trained professional, but I'd also be scared of my life. I would not be able to defend myself against a hungry, prowling, roaring lion. And the same is true with Satan if you're not prepared. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 8.44, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The word devil in that verse of Ephesians 6.11 is diabolos, meaning false accuser, malicious, or slanderous. You know, those are just a few examples of how Satan or the devil was, was, is portrayed or talked about in scripture. But the devil wants to devour you, steal from you, falsely accuse you, be malicious and slanderous, speak lies to and over you so that you will quit what God is doing in and through your life. If Satan can make you as a believer, as a Christian, Quit what you are doing in advancing the kingdom of God. He has done his job in your life. If he can make you quit and throw in the towel, he has done what it takes. You know, and as, as Christians, we wage war or we are at war every day of our lives, whether you know it or not. Whether you are oblivious to what is going on in your life or whether you're in fine tune with what is going on, we are at war every single day. I was gonna make the joke that I can come up here, introduce myself, pray, and then close the service. Pastor Dave preached uh, just a short mini-sermon. People are walking through so many difficult things in life currently that we are literally at war every day. And I just wanted to take a moment and, and be really transparent with you, to be really vulnerable with you from the platform. Uh, I think this is one of my strengths as a, as a person. This is how God has wired me. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of share uh, kind of my journey in, in what I'm going to talk about today. Um, it was July 17th, uh, which was about a month ago now. It was a, it was a Monday. And uh, our Monday routines as a staff, but also just as individuals, is basically Mondays are our meeting days. So we have our staff meeting on Monday. We have individual meetings. But basically, Mondays are our meeting days. And I came in that Sunday, which was July 17th. I had the mindset and, and the heart posture of telling Pastor Nick that I quit. And I've only been doing this for full time for, for two years. June 1st, 2021 was my first day of hire full time here at Calvary. And in two years, I had the mindset that I wanted to quit. And I'm not sharing this with you. I'm not saying this from the platform to be woe is Michael, to find me after service and give me words of encouragement. I'm just telling you that I'm literally walking through this as I prepare for this message. That there are two prominent lies in my life that I allowed to take root into my heart and really just grow deep into my spirit. And number one was this, that this is a, a lie out of, the, out of the pit of hell. It is this, is did I hear the voice of God correctly in being a local church pastor? My previous vocation was working retail for 13 years and I was really good at my job. I could have did it with my eyes closed. And coming in and switching vocations into full-time ministry, that was the, the first thought or question that came to my mind is, did I hear the voice of God correctly in being a local church pastor. And the second question that just kept bombarding my mind and bombarding my heart is, do I have what it takes to be a pastor? Am I cut out for this? Like, am I cut out for, for doing full-time ministry? Am, am I cut out for, for doing God's work? Am, am I cut out for 
leading life groups and doing pastoral care and all the things that I do, am I cut out for this? That was that Monday. And uh, I meet with Nick at 2 p.m. every Monday. And, and I just said that to Nick. This is just where I'm at. This is my mindset. This is my, my posture. This is just where I'm at. And uh, we had just a, a really healthy conversation. And I was just asking him just some, some nuances of, of some of his routines and some of his rhythms that, that he does if he f- ever feels this way. And, and uh, that Wednesday, which was July 19th, I, I took an out-of-the-office day for about six hours, and uh, I went and hiked. Nature is just kind of my, my getaway, and, and I spent some time with the Lord that day. And, and uh, I was being really intentional about my prayer life, about listening to worship. You know, leading up to July 17th, um, I just had some things kind of going on in, in my life that have just kind of compounded leading to that place. And, and I wasn't equipped in God's armor, what we're gonna talk about today. I, I wasn't equipped in that. I allowed my guard to be down and kind of in those moments or, or just kind of that space in, in my life. And, and the enemy, Satan, knew it and he started speaking lies to me, but also over my life. You know, that goes back to, to Genesis Three in the garden where sin enters the world, uh, that Satan's first question to Eve, if you read that part of scripture is, did God really say that? That's a lie. That he used, did God really say that? To uh, lie to Eve, to, to get her to take a bite of the fruit, whether that was an apple or not, to take a bite of that fruit and then sin enter the world. In this space, in this season of my life, I listened to that question is, did God really say that? And I wasn't on guard. I, I didn't have my armor fully up. And that space, kind of that window was really difficult. And I'm honestly still processing. I'm still honestly going through that. But as, as believers and as, as Christians, we have two options in our life when we're at war. Number one is, is what I could have done in that moment is to quit is to surrender or to quit, to, to lay your life down and to, and to quit what God is doing in and through your life to stop advancing the kingdom or the, the, the God's kingdom. Or number two is what we're gonna talk about today is to stand and fight. That Wednesday of, of July 19th, I took some time to just pray. I was really intentional about what I was praying through and, and just really getting my heart recentered and just refocused on the Lord and I made the decision, I did not quit. I'm here today to stand and fight. And before we jump into uh, Ephesians verse, chapter 6, verse 13, and also the armor of God, uh, we need to have this perspective in mind, but also this focus in mind. In verse 12 of, of chapter 6, the, the Apostle Paul uses a phrase or uses kind of his language in this verse, and it's heavenly realms. He uses that phrase throughout the book of Ephesians uh, a few other times, but I just want to mention that the heavenly realm in, in that verse is also another way of saying the spiritual realm, what we've been talking about the last three weeks. But I want to just unpack just five other times that this phrase is used throughout the book of Ephesians before we get into verse 13 in the armor of God. Ephesians 1, 3, our blessings are in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 1, verse 20, Jesus is seated in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 2, 6, you and I are seated with Jesus there in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 3, 10, the angels operate from the heavenly realm. Ephesians 6, 12, the demonic also operate from the heavenly realm. And I believe that Paul is giving us an insight into this. That everything that is physical is preceded by something spiritual. If you want to address the physical, you first need to address the spiritual. 
In other words, don't just pull out the weed. You have to get to the root of the issue. You know, and for me, that was me taking time on that Wednesday and getting to the root of the issue, not just pulling out the weeds of those questions or those thoughts. And today, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna address the spiritual, not just the physical. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And again, we're just gonna unpack this verse kind of phrase by phrase or, or word by word. And the first phrase I wanna kind of unpack with you this morning is therefore put on the full armor of God. You know, this imagery of putting on the different pieces of the armor of God may have come from Paul observing a soldier who might've been guarding him, but dressing himself or being dressed for battle, signifying that the soldier is always dressed for battle. I love those four words, always dressed for battle. That's a constant reminder that we always need to be dressed for battle. The second and third word in that phrase is put on. Put on is also a call for believers to utilize what we already possess. In other words, it's a posture or a state of being, meaning the full armor of God should always be on. Echoing again that we are always dressed for war. In the full armor of God in this phrase, uh, full in the sense of adequacy and quality. The full does not mean fully armed. If you notice about the six individual items of the armor of God, that there are more items that you would hypothetically need going to battle. But full here means that it is actually adequate for you to go to battle because it is all you need as a believer to defeat the enemy's schemes. It is also called the armor of God because God both prepares it and bestows it upon the believer. And if you continue reading that verse, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, the day of evil, just unpack that for just a few brief moments. Reading this passage, you might think to yourself of kind of the the macro evil day, not really a, a micro evil day. You might think of just that macro as some sort of conflict that will happen in the future or a really big theological term of the eschatological conflict. Eschatology of theology is just the study of end times. That's all that means. So just an end time conflict is coming. And yes, as Christians, as believers, we are warned in scripture to prepare ourselves for those moments. But digging a little bit deeper in these passages, I don't believe that this is what appears to be on the mind of the Apostle Paul. He sees the conflict as a current crisis and challenges us to be ready. The coming, evil, or the coming day of evil is a reminder of the ever-present reality and wickedness and temptation. Those that are equipped with the armor of God will be able to stand their ground. And the last phrase I wanna unpack in this verse of verse 13 is stand your ground title of my message, but stand your ground. In this imagery, in in verse 13, you can picture kind of not a a massive invasion, like a World War II invasion, like a Beaches of Normandy, Saving Private Ryan, like any military movie where there's a huge, massive invasion. It's not that. It's more of an individualistic approach to this uh, standing your ground. And this imagery is an individual soldier standing their ground and withstanding an assault. This passage also invokes readiness and firmness. And before we jump into the armor of God and how we can actually stand our ground against the attacks of the enemy, uh, I, I wanna make this statement is 
Throughout the armor of God, there are six individual pieces, but the emphasis is not on individually speaking of those pieces. It's on the totality of the six of the armor of God. And just as a soldier would go to war today that needs all of its armor, we too also need every item of the armor of God to fight our spiritual wars today. And jumping into the armor of God, the very first piece I wanna kind of walk through and, and unpack is found in verse 14, and it's the belt of truth. Verse 14 says this, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You know, giving some context to kind of when this was written, with the culture where the people wore long, loose-fitting robes, garments would need to be tied close to the body when quick action was required. It's just physically impossible for somebody of that day and age, if they had long, loose-fitting garments, to actually take action when some, something needed to be taken action from. And here the believers are commissioned to stand, literally meaning having girded your loins in truth. And again, without pulling their robes close to their body, they wouldn't be able to react to a situation. In doing some reading and doing some studying about the belt of truth, the word truth in this verse or the belt of truth could have two possible meanings in this verse. And we're gonna look at both of them. Number one is that the truth of Christ that the belt of truth is the truth of Christ. Simply put is I'm trusting or I'm choosing to trust in what God has revealed. I'm choosing to trust in what God has revealed. And the second possible meaning about the truth or the belt of truth is this, that it is your personal genuineness, it is your personal faithfulness, it is your personal reliability, and is your personal integrity. But if we go with option one, if we take the truth of Christ, meaning what God has revealed, what God has revealed then would be our standard in how we live our life, correct? Like if, if the truth of Christ or the truth of God has been revealed, and if you're a follower of Christ, if, if you're a Christian, that is your standard at which you measure everything by. That is your standard of how you love your neighbors. That is your standard of your finances or how you handle your finances. That is your standard of, of how you interact with relationships, That is your standard of how you interact or engage in your marriage if you're married. That is your standard in in how you conduct your life throughout every single day of the week. That list can go on. That that is the standard in which we live our lives by. So then that standard of the truth of Christ or what God has revealed should then inform our own personal genuineness, our faithfulness, our reliability, and our integrity. You need to start with the standard in which we live our lives before you put on any other piece of armor or the armor of God will fail. Hence why the belt of truth is the first piece of the armor of God. And if you struggle with just putting on the belt of truth or just truth in general, I just wanna give you three practical applications on ways to encourage you to apply the belt of truth. And number one is this, to pursue the truth on a specific topic, but don't forget to grab hold of the fullness of scripture meaning don't just cherry pick topics or don't just cherry pick verses. Don't just study the parts that come easy for devotional reading or through the YouVersion Bible app. Press into the whole counsel of God's word. Second is pray with God's word. And if you don't know God's word that well, open the Bible, open scripture and just pray with God's word, meaning what he has revealed in scripture. And the last one is memorize the truth for quicker access when you need it. We're at war, you will need it. Every day you will need it. Some practical things is cover your home with whether that's sticky notes, decor, 
whatever the case may be, surround yourself wherever you look with God's word and God's truth. The second piece of God's armor is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is a physical breastplate in this illustration or this imagery, but a breastplate is the biggest piece of armor that a soldier will wear. It secures all of your vital organs, especially your heart. If you were in war and you forgot to wear, whether it's a Kevlar, tactical, bulletproof vest, you would be in a world of trouble, right? And the same rings true with a breastplate of righteousness. As a believer, we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And righteousness in this verse, just digging a little bit deeper on that word righteousness, a part of the church circles, we've heard of these pieces of armor before, or we've heard of these words before, truth and righteousness and peace, salvation, all these words. I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and to actually figure out what righteousness meant or the Apostle Paul meant in this verse. And the definition of righteousness in this verse is twofold, and it means this. The act of doing what is in agreement with God's standards And second is the state of being in proper relationship with God. So follow me for a second. If righteousness means the act of doing what is in agreement with God's standards, and the belt of truth could be God's standards, then the breastplate of righteousness is living your life in accordance with God's word, doing the right thing, living to God's standards, not man's, or not your own standard living up to God's standard. Righteousness guards all of us. You know, no one is perfect, I'm not perfect. But living a holy life and in accordance with God's word will protect you in so many ways from spiritual attacks. You know, if I'm honest, kind of that that space in in my life where I proposed to Nick or kind of that thought of of me quitting, I, I wasn't spending enough time in God's word. I wasn't spending enough time just in my, in my quiet life of being uh, aware of, of God's word and I was susceptible to that attack. I have three questions and then just three practicals on how to apply or put on the breastplate of righteousness. Three questions are this that you can think through and process. One is, how are you living your life as a Christian? How are you living your life as a Christian? Second question is, does your actions line up with God's word? Just piggybacking off the first is, does your actions line up with God's word? And lastly is, do you have the right conduct and a right character? Do you have a right conduct and a right character? And some of the the application pieces of of putting on the breastplate of righteousness uh, are this, is meditate on and obey instructions from the Lord. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Second piece or second practical is ask a trusted person to pray for you if you struggle with obedience. If you struggle living with living your life in accordance with God's word and God's standards, ask somebody you trust, whether that's a pastor, somebody in the church, somebody that's, that's mature, to pray for you. You know, all Christians struggle with obedience and no one should be struggling alone. We make easy targets for the enemy when we struggle alone and we do not obey God. 
The third, the third piece of the armor of God is the shoes of peace or the gospel of peace. Just like the breastplate of, of righteousness or the breastplate protects your vitals from onslaughts, from actual physical attacks or onslaughts from the enemy, the shoes would also protect your feet from the ground. In that context, as people would travel, it would just protect their feet from dirt, from rocks, from debris on the ground. In preparing and reading this verse, I had two words that kind of jumped out or kind of spoke to me, and I wanted to do just a little bit digger or a little bit deeper digging on those two words, and it made me stop and think for a moment. And the two words are readiness and peace. My thought was, why is readiness attached to the shoes of peace? And second is peace. We've heard that word hundreds, if not thousands, or tens of thousands of times, the word peace. Again, I wanted to dig and just get the, the accurate context of what the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate in this verse. So for me, those were the questions. In reading uh, and studying the word readiness, uh, the, in the original language, the word readiness means preparation. So let's reread that verse again with preparation in its place instead of readiness. And with your feet fitted with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, when you put on shoes, typically 99.9% of the time you are going somewhere. To put shoes on, you have a destination in mind. Shoes take you places. Shoes also cause you to move. In essence, that you are preparing to move or go with the gospel of peace. You're being prepared to go with the gospel of peace. And the second word that I wanted to, to dig a little bit deeper is peace. You know, I've heard that word so many times. It honestly, if I'm not really intentional, it goes in, in, in one ear and out the other. But again, I wanted to try to see what Paul was trying to convey in this verse. And peace in this verse, again, has two definitions or it could be two things. One is as when one has peace with God as when one has peace with God. And the second is reconciliation in relation. So pause for a moment. That's what the gospel does. It allows us to be in peace with God because the gospel has reconciled us back to a relationship with God. And because of that, you are encouraged, you are challenged to go with the gospel of peace. And how to put on the shoes of peace. Ask the Lord daily to remind you of his gospel work on your behalf. Set your security and identity in his work and not yours. And lastly, spend time with the Lord. Be in relationship with him. And before we go through the last three items of the armor of God, I wanted to just make note of this phrase, take up. The first three pieces of armor were under this verb of put on. So put on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on the shoes of peace. The last three items or the last three pieces of the armor are under the verb of take up. Maybe there's significance in the verb that the Apostle Paul used, and it's this, that put on, the first three items are supposed to be on at all times. And the last three items are there whenever you need them to take up. And we'll go through the last three. The shield of faith is the fourth item. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, we all go through fiery trials in our lives where the trial will cause the testing of our faith. 
I don't know if you've been there or not. You've gone through a really difficult situation or season. That is a fiery trial, and it's going to cause the testing of our faith. You know, whether that's persecution of the enemy, whether that's internal turmoil such as doubt or such as just questions bombarding your mind or bombarding your heart, or it's legitimate spiritual warfare. The, The thing that helps you overcome the trials is your secure and confident faith in Christ that he will never leave you nor forsake you in that situation or that circumstance. You know, that circumstance could be one of the extremes of of a medical diagnosis. It could be a financial hardship that is out of your control. It could be a relational issue that is out of your normal. And again, the shield of faith, whenever you take that up, you are going to say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus, in the midst of this situation that you have your faith, that you can stand firm in your confidence with Christ. Three applications, gonna move pretty quick. If your faith feels less confident than you wish it did, ask the Lord to increase your faith, Mark 9, 24. Find verses that feed your faith and fill your world with them. And lastly is set your faith in God's righteousness, not in a circumstance. The fifth item is a helmet of salvation. As protective headgear, the helmet protects the center of life. Very similar to the breastplate, the helmet protects the vital organ. If you get an attack at your chest for your heart, you can, for the most part, withstand a blow to your chest unless it's a vital blow. But your mind, you cannot withstand a vital blow to your mind. With the helmet of salvation, you are constantly to remind yourself of this with the helmet of salvation on. That salvation is from Christ. Two is salvation is to lift your head upwards. Three is to delight in his goodness. And lastly is to know that you are his. I heard this this quote, that salvation is a gift that we recognize from God and it is the only defense against the enemy of our soul. How to practically apply the helmet of salvation. Surrender thoughts that don't don't line up with scripture. As Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Remember the Lord's character and faithfulness in scripture, as well as in your life, your life experiences. And lastly, is wash your mind with the renewing of God's word. As Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the last item of God's armor is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, when it comes to the sword of the spirit, if you've noticed the previous five pieces of armor, you might've heard this been said, that the previous five are, are defensive pieces of armor. The sword of the spirit is the only offensive tool in the armor of God. And maybe it's the only offensive tool in the armor of God because it's the only tool that the spirit of God needs. You know, in, in reading that verse, which is the word of God, the, the word word in that verse there could be three definitions or three meanings to that word. I just want to kind of walk through really quick. One is, is grapha, which that definition is writing on a specific topic or representation of that object. Simply put, that is our Bible. That is just the book of the Bible. Two is logos or logos. You might have heard that term before, that word before. John 1.1, 1, 1, the word became flesh. That word is is logos or logos. But by definition, it's the communication of who God is. It's also another title for Jesus. In essence, it's the content 
of what is found in God's word. It is the communication of God's word. And lastly, the Apostle Paul uses this word in that verse, which is the word of God. And the word used in this verse is rhema, which by definition, that word is word said or words spoken. Or a better way to understand that is the spoken word. Proposing a thought, proposing something that I was processing as I was preparing for this message. Maybe as Christians, we're doing something backwards. If the word used in the verse is the spoken word of God, Paul is trying to tell us something. Paul is trying to tell us that we as Christians are really good at having Bible studies with other Christians, speaking God's word to other Christians. Maybe we need to start having Bible studies with the devil. Speaking God's word to the devil. You know, just as the Super Bowl 43, I know the outcome now that the game has happened. Side note, or insider, Satan knows his outcome. Read the end of the book. God wins. He knows his outcome already. And how to equip the sword of the spirit? It's simply this, just spend time in God's word. Just spend time in God's word. Whether that is declaring his truths and promises over your life daily, whether that is speaking God's word to other Christians that you can be encouraged in God's word, or whether that is you feeling temptation, you feeling spiritual attack, you feeling lies coming, and you know God's word, you know God's truth, speak it to that lie, speak it to the enemy, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That if you, that if you equip the whole armor of God, all six pieces from the belt of truth all the way to the sword of the spirit, we will be able to stand against the fiery trials as God's word said that, that will come against us. That you have every piece in your armor, armor, that you have every piece at your disposal that you need, that the full armor of God is full because it's adequate enough for you to stand against the enemy's attacks. I'm gonna pray for you this morning that, that we can dismiss. My prayer for all of us today is this, that in our trials, in our circumstances, in the seasons of life that, that we feel attacked, whether that is doubt, whether that's a legitimate spiritual attack, whether that is just a lot of questions going through your mind, that you can put on the full armor of God, not just one piece, not just three pieces, but all six pieces, and that you can withstand that attack. Would you stand with me as, as we close this morning and, and we pray? You know, just as, as Pastor Dave mentioned uh, this morning, kind of in, in that space is, again, we don't know what you're walking through. We don't know your life situation. We don't know your circumstance. You know, for me, a, a full-time staff pastor, I was susceptible to that because I didn't have my armor on, fully equipped, that we are all susceptible to this. But my prayer for all of us here today, whether you're here in the house or, or watching online, is that we can equip the full armor of God so that we can continue the work of advancing the kingdom of, of God and advancing the gospel because our world so desperately needs it. That my encouragement to you out of those two options is don't quit. Do not quit. That there is, there is more work to be done. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the, the opportunity to open your word. God, we thank you so much for you bestowing, but also preparing the full armor of God that you have given each and every single one of us. God, I ask in this moment, God, I just pray for the people that are under the sound of my voice, whether they're in-house or watching online. 
God, if they're walking through a fiery trial, God, speak to them. God, minister to them. God, let them know that they have every piece of armor that they need in their arsenal. Not because it's, it's what they do. God, it's because what you have already done. God, I pray that, that people, God, that are walking through difficult situations or circumstances, God, know your truth. God, that they know your word. God, that they can stand on your truth. God, that they can have a, a hunger and a thirst for your word, God, and, and to, to press in and to push in to the counsel of your word. God, not just single verses, not just single thoughts, God, but the entirety of scripture. God, I pray that, that the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, God will cut and defeat the enemy that is attacking our minds, that is attacking our hearts, that is attacking our spirits. God, I just pray that we can stand in faith, believing without a shadow of a doubt, God, that you have overcome sin, death, and the grave, that we too have the authority placed in the heavenly places or the spiritual realm. God, I thank you for that power. God, I thank you for that authority. God, I just pray that you keep us safe. God, that you keep us healthy and protected this week as we go. God, help us go today, God, with the shoes of peace or the gospel of peace put on our feet. God, that we can go share the good news of the gospel with people who so desperately need it. God, I pray that this, that this community be changed because of the gospel. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to, to gather. God, I thank you that you are moving, God, that you are challenging and you are speaking to us. God, I thank you for your goodness, your ableness, and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Next week, we'll be kicking off our series, No One Walks Alone. Have a great, blessed week. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.